0: Welcome to Monday Morning Murder in the News with Alyssa Carroll. Good morning, heathens, and happy Friday Morning Murder in the News. I know, I need to update the intro. Uh, So here we continue our Murder in the News, which is still better than the regular trash news we are fed. So buckle in, trash pandas. Let's get to it. And remember, I do not read these articles past the title, so we are reacting together. So, our first article comes from newsnationnow.com. The title reads, Los Angeles model found dead in apartment, second case in a week. So, loved ones are distraught after a young model was found dead inside her downtown Los Angeles apartment, marking the second time a similar incident has occurred within a week. Family members who discovered the body of Nicole Coates, 32, known as Nikki, inside her apartment are devastated and frustrated at the lack of answers and information from investigators. Quote, this is senseless and I want some answers because my daughter is gone. Sharon Coates, Nikki's mother, told News Nation affiliate KTLA in Los Angeles, quote, it's not fair. I want everybody to find out who did this to her. She shouldn't be gone. The last time anyone heard from Nikki, she told friends she was going out on a date on Friday, September 8th. That would be her last conversation with loved ones. When she didn't answer any calls or texts that weekend, her father and aunt decided to visit her apartment complex, 8th and Grand, on September 10th. That is when they made the gut-wrenching discovery. Sharon said the scene was gruesome and her daughter's bed was found bloodied. Quote, I couldn't recognize her, Stevens recalled of the discovery. I believe it was murder. I really do. One of her legs was up in the air in a kicking position. That's not somebody who just laid in their bed and died. We need to know what happened, said Nikki's aunt. So Sharon said her daughter didn't have any enemies and was loved by friends and the community. She wants answers and for the suspect to be caught before they potentially strike again. Quote, I don't know who she went out with or what transpired there. I have no idea, but I'm going to find out. So if you're out there, you're going to get caught. You're messing with the wrong person, end quote. And here, here, mama, hear, here. here. Nikki's death marks the second case of a model found dead in their apartment in downtown L.A. The two incidents took place less than three miles away from each other. Hmm. On September 12th, Melissa Mooney, a 31-year-old model and real estate agent, was found dead in her apartment on the 200 block of South Figueroa Street. Family members were worried because she wasn't answering calls or texts. Police officers dispatched for a welfare check discovered Mooney's body inside her apartment. So far, Mooney's case is being considered a murder, while Nikki's has been deemed a suspicious death. The L.A. County Coroner's Office said Nikki's case remains open while her cause of death remains under investigation. Family and friends of both women remained devastated and are seeking justice for their deaths. They're also concerned a serial killer might be looking for their next target. So a GoFundMe page was created to help Nikki's family with funeral expenses. So it's under investigation. If you have any information, you're supposed to call 877-527-3247. So yes, we most assuredly need to find whoever did this and if they are connected. So then, our next article comes from the sun.com, and the title reads Where is he? Ex NFL star Sergio Brown is missing as his mom is found dead in a creek, and Maywood police open homicide probe. Looks like he, at least at one point, played for the Bills. So, um, a former NFL player has gone missing after his mom was found dead in what police are investigating as a homicide. The family of Sergio Brown, 35, who used to play for the New England Patriots, okay, well, it said Bills on the, on the jersey on the picture, called the police when they could not make contact with him or his mom since Friday. A uh, picture of his mom, she's a teeny woman. Sergio's 73-year-old mother, Myrtle Simmons-Brown, was later found dead Saturday afternoon in Addison Creek, near the back of her Maywood home in Illinois, which is about 17 minutes from Chicago. And side note, dude, Chicago is not a place that I would be living currently. It's crazy up there. Her death is currently being investigated as a homicide, the Village of Maywood Police Department said. Myrtle's sister, Sheila Simmons, last spoke to her sister on Thursday, less than a week after the family celebrated Myrtle's uh, 73rd birthday. Quote, we're going to find out what happened because it's not normal for my sister to not answer her phone, not to respond to text messages, Sheila told a local outlet. People have been reaching out to her since Friday. No one was able to reach her. Now, I got a call this morning saying that she's missing, so immediately, I came out here and find out my sister is dead. End quote, Sheila said. Sheila said that in the early hours of Saturday, someone called her to tell her that Myrtle and Sergio were missing. Oh. She then went to Myrtle's house where Sergio also lived and noticed that things were out of the ordinary. Sheila said that she searched the creek behind the house with the cops, but did not find anything. Later that day, she and other family members went back, and they did find Myrtle's body. The family said that they still have not heard from Sergio as of Sunday morning. While Myrtle is still missing, her son, Nick Brown, pleaded for help in finding his mom and brother. He wrote on Saturday via Facebook, quote, Folks, my mom, Myrtle Brown, and brother, Sergio Brown, are missing. I'm not waiting another hour. Please share. If you see them or one of them, please let me or the Maywood Police Office know. Two exclamation points. End quote. The village of Maywood Police Department said they are still looking for Sergio. That is the end of that article. So, what do we think, guys? He's missing. Mom's dead. I hope. I hope that he didn't kill his mom. I mean, I'm hoping nothing nefarious has happened to him, obviously, but I'm hoping that he didn't kill his mom and then run. It's probably what happened. It kind of fits the whole genre, but I don't know. We'll see. So our next article comes from HuffPost.com, and the title reads, Russell Brand accused of rape, emotional abuse, and bombshell investigation. It says the controversial comedian denied all allegations saying he was once quote very very promiscuous but everything was consensual. English actor and comedian Russell Brand faces allegations of rape, sexual assault and abusive behavior in the wake of a joint investigation by multiple United Kingdom based news outlets. Four women say that Brand assaulted them according to an investigation by the Sunday Times. The Times, and Channel 4 Dispatches. The piece, published on Saturday in The Times, can be read in full here. It's a link. Don't worry about it. Channel 4 also released a trailer for its upcoming special on the investigation, slated to air Saturday night. And then in this little thing, it says, Russell Brand denies accusations of rape, sexual assault, and controlling and emotionally abusive behavior. Five women share their stories with C-4 dispatches in a joint investigation with the Times. So the alleged assaults all took place between 2006 and 2013 when Brand's acting career was at its peak. He starred in hit comedies for Getting Sarah Marshall and Get Him to the Greek in 2008 and 2010, respectively. He also was a presenter for BBC Radio 2 and Channel 4 during this period of time. So, Brand, 48, has emphatically denied any criminal conduct. In a video he posted on social media the day before the investigation was published, Brand said that he received notice of, quote, some very serious allegations that I absolutely refute, end quote. He added that he was simply very, very promiscuous at a certain point in his life. Now, during that time of promiscuity, their relationships I had were absolutely always consensual. I was always transparent about that then, almost too transparent, and I'm being transparent about it now as well. So one woman interviewed in the investigation claimed Brand raped her against a wall at his home in Los Angeles. Medical records show that she received treatment at a rape crisis center the same day. She said the attack happened. Another woman said Brand, quote, forced his penis down her throat when she, no, when he was 31 and she was 16. At the time, she said she was involved in a three-month relationship with the actor she characterized as abusive and controlling. Brand rose to mainstream fame in the early 2000s as a raunchy comedian who discussed his sex life in lewd detail. He later became known for his work as a left-wing activist and wellness influencer. Since 2020, this is something I, you know, I saw the the title. I didn't read the article, but I saw the title and I've kind of heard some about this on YouTube. And I have feelings, I have thoughts about it. But anyway, it says, since 2020... He has come under fire for promoting conspiracy theories surrounding COVID-19 and other topics on his YouTube channel, which boasts more than 6 million subscribers. He has also become increasingly associated with right-wing figures and hosted ex-Fox News personality Tucker Carlson on his channel in July. In his video addressing the sexual assault allegations, Brand suggested that he was the victim of a coordinated attack by the media. That's the end of that article. So... This is a bit of a side note, okay? And again, I, I don't I don't do politics on my stuff, right? And I try to stay out of all of that, period. But I don't want to underestimate or underappreciate if he did these things to these girls. You know, I'm a female. I have an assault way back in my history, so you know, I can certainly sympathize if these things happened. However, What I find interesting is the timing of these accusations, considering that he's starting to discuss, you know, where they're saying he's right-wing or he's leftist or whatever. I think that he uh, loves the United States, and I think that he has been studying our politics, and I think that he is calling attention to a lot of hypocrisy and things going on from both sides. Um, And, again, I don't want to say that he didn't do these things, but I just find the timing— of these awfully convenient considering elections are coming up and whatnot. So anyway, regardless, I really hope he didn't do these things. But if he did, I really hope that the girls get the justice that they deserve. Moving on, our next article comes from People.com and the title reads, Police investigating the death of a baby found in a New Mexico hospital bathroom. Police said that a 16-year-old teen has been receiving treatment in the room before the deceased baby was found in the bathroom. Didn't we just go through this with what's-her-name? Police are investigating the death of a baby found in a restroom of a New Mexico hospital room. The Hobbs Police Department said in a statement on social media on Thursday that officers responded to Covenant Health Hobbs Hospital after a baby was found dead in the bathroom of a patient's room on Wednesday. Police said that a 16-year-old patient who was accompanied by her mother at the time had been receiving treatment in the room. Hospital staff later discovered a deceased baby in the restroom area of the patient's room. The Hobbs Police Department did not identify any of the individuals involved and did not say whether any arrests had been made. The department said it is investigating the baby's death and that the baby had been sent to Albuquerque for autopsy by the Office of the Medical Investigator. This week's death is the second incident involving a deceased infant being found in a New Mexico hospital this year, according to Associated Press. I mean, we already know that, right? In May, 19-year-old Alexi Treviso was charged with first-degree murder and tampering with evidence related to the January death of her infant son. Police claim Treviso had gone to the emergency room in late January for back pain, but then locked herself in the bathroom where she gave birth to a baby boy. She then put the baby in a trash bag, then she then hid it in the trash can. Uh, so side note, she gave birth to the baby and then put him in the, like ripped through with her teeth, they think the umbilical cord wrapped her baby in a trash bag that was already full of trash or had some trash in it. And then she wung that thing around, spun it around like we do the plastic around a loaf of bread, then tucked that tail underneath him and left him to die in the bottom of that trash can. And the problem The fucking problem that I have with this is that the hospital that she did that in is one of those hospitals where no questions asked, you can drop your baby off and turn around and walk out. No questions asked, drop that baby off. It did not have to die. She could have given birth in that bathroom and told, asked for a doctor or a nurse, please don't tell my mom, I'm an adult. I've had this baby, I don't want it, whatever, and they would have taken that baby and it would have been nothing. They couldn't have said anything to the mom because she was an adult. So it's just straight up murder because you don't want to be inconvenienced. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Back to the article, according to the outlet, a hospital custodian discovered the baby when she went to pick up the trash and realized it weighed more than usual. An autopsy listed the cause of death as a homicide. However, Treviso's attorney Gary C. Mitchell maintained per AP that there were discrepancies with what happened in the hospital and said that the case wasn't just classic child abuse. I don't know. Anyway, the rest of it's all about Treviso. Okay. Another New Mexico teen, 19 year old Alexis Avila, was sentenced to 16 years in prison after two years of parole in May after she was found guilty of throwing her newborn infant into a dumpster. In Hobbs in 2022. The outlet reported that the baby who survived is now living with relatives. Abortion is currently legal in New Mexico. As in 2021, the New Mexico legislature voted to repeal a dormant 1969 statute that criminalized most abortion procedures. Govern- Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham also signed two bills overriding local ordinances in order to shield abortion providers per the outlet. And that's the end of the article. You guys don't really even want to know what I think about that. Okay, so our next article comes from CowboyStateDaily.com. This is a new source I've not heard of, but somebody sent me this. And the title reads, Fort Wakashi-Washaki Woman. Runs over romantic rival, says she deserved it. A 27-year-old Fort Washakie Washakie? woman is facing a felony assault charge on claims she ran over a 24-year-old woman after an argument over a man. There's the problem. She told police the other woman, quote, deserved it. Ladies, If you find out that your man's cheating on you and the girl doesn't know about you, then that is what it is. If the girl does know about you, regardless, dump his ass. I digress. A Fort Washakie woman is facing a felony charge for allegedly running over a romantic rival with her vehicle. Marla Jensen Enos, 27, is charged with one count of aggravated assault, punishable by up to 10 years in prison if convicted case ascended to the felony level Fremont County District Court last week. On August 29th at about 5.33 p.m., Lander Police Department Officer Sean McRae went to the Rock Church in Lander in response to a report of a vehicle crashing into a pedestrian outside the church. Bitch, did this at church? Really? LPD Sergeant John Cunningham also went to the scene. There... Cunningham spoke with a 24-year-old woman whose skin was lacerated and scraped. Meanwhile, Enos was, quote, trying to leave in a silver-colored Ford vehicle, says an evidentiary affidavit filed in the case. The woman with the scrapes rushed up to Cunningham and said the person who'd crashed into her was trying to get away. Cunningham asked another agent to pull Enos over, and he did, in the church's driveway. So then the article says, in bold... What happened? Well, Cunningham asked the alleged victim what happened. She said she and her baby daddy, whom she also called her ex-boyfriend, took their two toddler-aged children to the church to play since it was the younger child's second birthday. Enos came up to the party through the woman. It says through, but it's though the woman didn't know Enos, she told Cunningham. The two women started to argue over a man. The affidavit is unclear about the man's relation to each woman, and Lander Police Department did not return multiple voicemails Friday afternoon requesting clarification. But the man is the ex-boyfriend of at least one of the women. The argument escalated and Enos ran the younger woman over with her car. She admitted running, running her over with her car. An ambulance came and drove away with the victim. Eno asked if the younger woman was in the ambulance. Cunningham said yes. Quote, good. I'm glad. She deserved it, said Enos, the affidavit alleges. Enos' arraignment is set for September 21st. Well, that was six days ago. Well, this article's older. Regardless... uh, If you are dating someone or married to someone and they are seeing someone else on the side or if they have an ex, baby mama, whatever is going on, if it is too much for you, move on. No one is worth the jail time. You get what I'm saying? Move on. So our next article comes from kens5.com. Title reads, Woman found shot in head following accident on West Side. So first responders found two bullet wounds to the back of the victim's head when they were pulling her from an accident. This is coming out of San Antonio. A woman was found with two gunshot wounds to the back of her head when first responders were trying to pull her from her vehicle following an accident on the west side. San Antonio police responded to the intersection of Buena Vista Street and Hanugo Street near West Commerce Street around 9.38 p.m. Saturday for reports of a multi-car accident. When officers arrived at the location, they found two vehicles that had been involved in a crash and initially thought one of the drivers had fled from the scene. First responders then found the driver laying down inside her SUV. Now, while EMS was working on the driver, a 30-year-old woman, they found two gunshot wounds to the back of her head. Police searched the area for any evidence of a shooting, but were unable to locate anything. They did notice bullet holes in both the rear window of the woman's SUV and on her headrest. The victim was pronounced deceased at the hospital a short time later. She has been identified as Alexis Salinas Trevino... 30 sorry it made me think of the baby killer the people who were inside the second vehicle involved in the crash were checked out by ems at the scene and released that driver told police that she was traveling north on buena vista when the victim swerved into her lane running into her car before hitting a utility pole police have no description or information on the suspect who fired the shots police continue their investigation So someone just shot at her for no reason? I don't know. So our next article, oh, it's another one from CowboyStateDaily.com, and the title reads, The Mystery of Olga Mauger, Wyoming's Oldest and Coldest Missing Persons Case. So less than a week after she was married, 21-year-old Wyoming bride Olga Mauger by all accounts, an expert outdoors woman disappeared without a trace September 17th, 1934, while hiking with new husband Carl on a Wyoming hunting honeymoon. Okay, right now, uh, show of hands, who thinks it was the husband? My hands in the air. Anyone else? Exactly. It was a fall day, September seventeenth, 1934, when two young newlyweds stopped to rest after hiking for miles above Engels Camp, today known as Togwodi Mountain Lodge. The couple was on the sixth day of their elk hunting honeymoon. The bride, Olga—oh, Mauger is pronounced major. My, My bad, I apologize— was likely a more than willing participant. She grew up in the area fishing and hunting and knew the country well. Rumors that she was a descendant of Jackson Hole mountain legend beaver Dick Lee proved false, however. A census records check found Olga was born in Lead, South Dakota on March 11, 1913. Her parents were both from eastern Russia of German ancestry and had arrived in America on July 12th, 1905, in Baltimore, Maryland. The groom, Carl how's that pronounced again? Major, suggested they climb a small hill and scalp for elk from there. Olga said she was tired and told Carl to go on ahead. Carl thought it strange. Olga loved the woods and was always up for a strenuous hike or climb. As Carl climbed, he turned to check on Olga. There she sat on a rock within hearing distance of passing cars on Togwodi Pass Road, built in 1921. She wore tan breeches, a blue shirt, and a gray pullover sweater with high-laced boots. In her belt was a small hatchet, and she carried a bag of sandwiches. Oh, the memes from that. Carl returned to the spot within a half hour. He later estimated to authorities it couldn't have been more than 20 minutes Olga was gone without a trace. Some reports say an empty bag of sandwiches was all that remained. Well, she left the sandwiches, right? Sorry, the dark humor leaked out. Uh, Carl searched frantically, shouting Olga's name to the wind. He never saw his wife again. Massive search turned up nothing. So Ranger Casey or Sonny Allen remembered getting the call to meet Carl at the Stalnaker Hunt Camp at 1 p.m., Quote, a lost lady was reported by Miss Engel of Angle's camp on Togwody Pass. He wrote in a journal entry dated September 5th, 1934. Allen may have misstated the date, but other details were exactly what area newspapers also reported. Headlines of the Sunday edition of the Helena, Helena Montana on October 7th, 1934 read, Posse Seeking Missing Woman, Husband Under Suspicion. Exactly. So Carl related the story to Alan. He told it the same over and over again to whoever asked. The couple did not have a fight. There was no reason she would have left intentionally, Carl assured, and Olga was not one to get lost accidentally. Quote, Olga was an expert in the forest and everyone knew she couldn't get lost, Alan wrote. So Allen rounded up a search party of more than 300 men, including dozens of Civilian Conservation Corps members working nearby, game wardens, private residents, Teton County Sheriff J.A. Francis of Jackson, and some 20 Washakie, Washakie Indians who were expert trackers supplied with bloodhounds. It was the largest manhunt in state history. They checked everywhere and turned up nothing. An early season snowstorm cut short search efforts. County Attorney Wilford W. Nielsen told the Montana paper there was little hope the woman would be found because of the snow. Nielsen held Carl for months for questioning. Nielsen grilled him, asking if he was the same Carl wanted in Denver on a charge of larceny as Bailey. He was not, apparently. Carl was finally released in technical custody of his brother-in-law, Fred Schultz. The presumed widower would search for a while longer himself and even return to the area the following year with two of Olga's brothers to continue looking for his lost bride. The August 15, 1935 Jackson Hole Courier ran a follow-up article on the disappearance. Quote, search for Miss Olga Schultz Major, 21-year-old bride who disappeared on two tea pass, 11 months, it's all spread out, has been discontinued for the present time, it read. So the unexplained disappearance of her is certainly strange enough, but that's not the whole story, guys. Carl was an oil man living in, the, in Midwest Wyoming where he was dating a woman named Ella... T Cash for five or six years Ella pestered her boyfriend to get married, but Carl put her off saying he needed to be more financially stable. Then at a dance Carl and Ella were attending, Carl saw the red headed beauty Olga and was smitten. From that moment on, Carl and Olga began a whirlwind romance that culminated in a september eleventh wedding in Harrison, Nebraska. Although Ella agreed to step out of the picture, Olga's sister, Edith, later claimed that after Olga and Carl married, Ella sent them a letter threatening suicide. See, it doesn't matter what the year. Drama has always been drama. So even more ominously, Miss Thompson also claimed that Olga personified that old adage about marrying in haste. She believed her sister regretted her marriage practically from the moment the ring was placed on her finger. Edith recalled that she was helping Olga pack for the honeymoon, her sister begged her to come with them. Quote, "Why, Ollie, three persons never go on a honeymoon." She also noted that Olga's expression was terribly sad, not at all like that of a new bride. Ella was understandably upset, the ex, right? But accounts differ regarding the relationship between Olga and Ella. Some say Ella threatened to kill herself after being jilted by her longtime beau in a letter she sent to the new bride herself. But in his diary, Alan states Olga and Ella were essentially friends, even after the wedding. Oh, that's bullshit. And it was Olga who wrote Ella about her intentions to kill herself out of guilt for stealing Carl. The fuck? What? Olga's sister, Edith, told authorities she thought her sister simply got a case of cold feet after the wedding and regretted it. She wanted out, Thompson speculated, and probably hitched the first ride leaving Jackson Hole, she could, once out of Carl's sight. Olga had about $30 in cash on her, so in the 30s, that was a pretty good amount of money, and was a trained stenographer. She could have picked up work anywhere in the country and started a new life. Thompson said every day she walked to the mailbox, she expected a letter from Olga explaining everything, but nothing ever came. She just vanished so that's the end of that article and you know my thoughts on that are you know maybe the husband didn't do it but I still I don't know maybe Ella did it because cold feet or not she had family Olga had family right she had a sister she was close to begging her to go on the honeymoon with her and whatever she's just going to disappear and never speak to her sister again I highly highly doubt that just uprooting everything you know, all of your possessions, your whole family, if you have a good family, and so on and so forth, and just starting over completely from scratch while we see that in the movies, that's a, that is a—that is not an easily pulled off thing. You get what I'm saying? I just think that perhaps either maybe the husband and his ex did something with her. I don't know. What do you guys think? I don't know. And then our last article comes from Fox16.com. Since I didn't have a Florida one, well, I have one in the lineup, but that'll be for Monday. I thought I would better give you guys a weird one, right? So the title reads, California woman loses limbs after battling bacterial infection from tilapia. So there is a warning about a dangerous bacteria that might have infected a California woman who's still recovering after nearly two months in the hospital. An online fundraising effort says she contracted the bacterial infection after eating fish and is now a quadruple amputee. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention recently issued a warning about a bacterial infection that people can get by eating raw or undercooked fish or by exposing an open wound to coastal waters. Laura Barajas, 40, has had her limbs amputated while battling a bacterial infection. Her friend told K-R-O-N she likely got the infection after eating undercooked tilapia. Quote, It's just been really heavy on all of us. It's terrible. This could have happened to any of us, said her friend Anna. Uh... Anna says back in late July, her friend had bought tilapia from a local market for dinner. She cooked it and ate it alone. Within days, she got very ill and she was then hospitalized. Quote, she almost lost her life. She was on a respirator. They put her into a medically induced coma. Her fingers were black. Her feet were black. Her bottom lip was black. She had complete sepsis and her kidneys were failing. End quote. Now, a month and a half later, she is without her arms and legs. So the friend believes the infection was caused by, listen to me butcher this, Vibrio vulnificus, vulnificus, a bacterial infection the CDC has been warning about. Quote, the ways you can get infected with this bacteria are one, you can eat something that's contaminated with it. The other way is by having a cut or tattoo exposed to water in which this bug lives said U.S.S.F. infectious disease expert Dr. Natasha Spottiswood. The doctor says the bacteria is especially concerning for people who are immunocompromised. The CDC says about 150 to 200 cases of the infections are reported each year, and about one in five people with the infection die, sometimes within one to two days of becoming ill. So, oh, down here it says that, uh, the friend has set up a GoFundMe to help with her friend's medical expenses. So far it has raised more than $20,000. I mean, imagine eating slightly undercooked fish and then you wake up and you have no arms and legs. I can't with that. I can't even imagine that. Make sure that you, uh, Cook your food all the way through, although I almost have my suspicions it wasn't from the tilapia. But regardless, that is a super sad story. But it's Friday. So, those of us who work all week long, we get our two days off. So, you know, you have Saturday to scramble to get everything done that you need to, and then all day Sunday to sit and dread Monday, right? But then you'll have me Monday morning, and that's going to be fabulous. And We have uh, October Halloween extravaganza coming up, right? I've got some kind of special podcasts planned out for the month that I hope are fun and that you guys enjoy. Have a fantastic weekend. And those of you who are working the weekend, those of us that are off, do appreciate your sacrifice. Because I know I don't want to cook on Saturday or Sunday. And I have to get my shopping done that I can't get done during the week. So I appreciate your your sacrifice and your work on the weekends, and I'm sure everyone else does as well. So just remember, behave yourselves. Auntie Alyssa does not have bail money. Love you guys. Bye-bye.